the craziest thing ever. All of a sudden, I just feel I just feel something hook under my left knee, and I feel myself decelerating. My arm reaches out and grabs something, and then as quickly and horrifyingly as it started, it was like over, and I was holding on to this wire. What's up, guys? Today's guest is a former professional freerunner turned director and cinematographer. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Ryan Houchin. What is up, McLovin? How are you, dog? Chilling, bro. Feeling good. Long time coming on this one. It's so crazy. Years in the making. <laughs> Years. <laughs> People are probably wondering, like, why I'm calling you McLovin. Um, it's an old nickname that was from back in the days within our group of friends, but it was also your name when you were on Tempest Freerunning as a pro athlete. That's right. Gabe Nunez gave me that name. Jay Walker gave yes. me that name. <laughs> Such a crazy I was time. like the young one on Tempest. Yes. I was 19 with braces and everything, and they're like, you're McLovin, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and if only we could tell all the stories of McLovin's life, it would be so fitting. But that's good for another podcast. <laughs> Jamcast after dark, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> we, we talked about this. We're like ten years down the road when we've made it and uh we have enough money that our past can't bury, bury us, then we'll we'll tell all the stories. Exactly. We need that F U money. Yeah. Exactly. And we're good to go. <laughs> so crazy, man. It, it's really, really cool to like have you on here because you were a part of such like a fundamental part of my life, which was like Right when I moved back to L.A. after graduating college, you were one of the first guys that I trained with. When I opened my first gym, White Lotus, you were one of the few guys in the videos and shooting the videos and flipping around with us, like even dating back to the videos where we're like training in our boxers with Anise and stuff. Like, Bro, those, that, that was crazy. Uh, Luke Brodlick, Anise, yeah. uh, you know, Jeremy. Yes. All the legends Just started at White Lotus, training till 2 a.m. and everything. Yes. I swear you opened that gym so we had a place to train till 2 a.m. <laughs> and then ma made it profitable somehow. <laughs> we, we, for people that don't know, when I first opened, like no one was coming because no one knew about it. So we would just flip as homies. We would literally be there till 2 a.m. Like Ryan's saying, like we would go flip, then go play Mario Kart in the lounge and like eat some food, then go out and flip. And like it was so empty. Like we said, there's videos where we're literally training in our boxers, like oh, just going crazy. Up. There's video. Yeah, there's videos of it somewhere on YouTube on one yes. of my channels. <laughs> yes. Old Huchino channels. And yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. And this was dating back to all the way where um, White Lotus was predating even Tempest Northridge opening. So oh, yeah, really was one of the few places where we could just go and like have a home amongst all of our friends. And uh, man, I learned so many tricks there at that place with you guys. It was crazy. Unreal. I think White Lotus was... I don't know if it was the first parkour. It was parkour slash tricking, but yeah. I don't know if it was the first one in America. It was maybe like Apex first, but yeah. it was up until then, there was only gymnastics gyms. Yes. Yeah. And those are sick and everything, but to have that custom parkour tricking gym. Yes. That was, that was, you were early. <laughs> I know. And it, I really think about it. It is crazy. Like we kind of predated a lot of gyms except for maybe Apex, you know? Yeah. Um, but especially when it came to just tricking gyms, we were definitely one of the first. I remember when we had the first like Luke Kick SoCal gathering and they came down and uh, it was just surreal to be like, these are all the guys we used to watch on YouTube. And like, now we're training alongside like Anise and Jeremy and Danny Graham and Sashamaru's down here right now. And I'm like, That's right. this is such a crazy time in history, you know? So. Dude, I, that was all the way back when a double cork was like a sick move. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I know. Remember that, that was like the, that was the combo ender. Yes. Yes. If you do double cork, you were the shit back then. Yeah. 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 That was back when Luke Brodlick was just starting to do the Skywalker shuriken box cutter. Yep. And now yep. that's like, 
one of the standard elite moves, but we're like there at the origin of all this stuff. Like, bro, yeah, it's crazy. It's unreal. Yeah, if you're not ending your combos with full in back outs now, I guess. Yes. Like Shosei Iwamoto. Then, yeah, exactly. then who are you, bro? Yeah. Who are same you? with parkour. If you're not, if you're not flipping, flipping to a rail or yeah. something, or side ending trees, with triple fulls. Or yeah, yeah. It, it's it's unreal. Gaps that when I was going were like sick to just stride. Yeah. Yeah. Are nothing if you're not side flipping. Yeah, not flipping. Yeah. yeah, Ellis Torha, a Red Bull Art in Motion. Like uh, you were there, which yeah. we'll get into. He in his mid run, he does wall double full, and then he does fly away full, uh, full and full out yeah. off a bar in a comp. I'm like, yeah. this is unheard of. You know, he had ten seconds. That's how long those runs were. Ten <laughs> seconds. Ten seconds of bangers. And I think he fit like six moves or something yeah. unreal. And then to end with full and full out to a to hard floor yeah. and just stick it crazy it's, it's gymnast level stuff yes and it's so cool that we're, we're having you on here shortly after art emotion we just had sydney olsen on who won Sick. overall best female um but you got to have a very pivotal part in this year's art emotion because they changed the format where videographers were very very instrumental uh in this year's i guess first and second rounds you know yeah uh, and you actually got to shoot the video for ed scott and also the winner of this year travis verkey so yeah it, it, <laughs> I, it was i was lucky so basically the eight videographers, there's 16 athletes, eight videographers, so everyone got two. And in this old town, there was these eight windmills in the center of town that you could, like, go inside of. So they had each videographer hide in a windmill. Okay. And they told the 16 people, go out and pick a windmill, and that's the videographer you're going to get. So I'm sitting in there, kind of, like, in the dark, waiting, and then I hear a knock at the door, and I open it up, and it's Ed Scott and, and Travis. <laughs> wow. I was like... Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. <You're laughs> Let's like, go. It's going to be crazy, <laughs> bro. I'm fucking stoked. No way. That's yeah. so, so dope. And so uh, on this year's competition, day one, they had, I think, what the Explorer Challenge or the Spot Challenge where you just go out and yeah. you just get like three lines. And then the second day is where they do the challenge where they have to make a 60-second video. Yeah. And that's what you got to be a part of, right? Yeah, yeah. So so the Spot Challenge, I was there just to kind of like help out and hang out. But the second day is, is the video scene. And... It's, uh, they still mostly took the, uh, skill of the athlete in the video. Mm -hmm. That was mostly what they were judging on, like 75% skill, 25% video. Okay. So it's still though, like if two people are about equal, it's going to be who has the better video yeah. at that point. I mean, so, and I was lucky to get Travis and, and Ed obviously, but the approach with Travis was just make it the most banger video possible, like hard move after hard move. And he killed that, um, and he got first place, which is sick in the yeah. video contest. And that gave him the, the extra points going into the, to the final, to round. the final that he yeah. didn't even have to get first to win anymore. Totally. And so when you were shooting that video with him, obviously this is the first time you're like with him live, right? Like yeah. I've, I've gotten to see him when he came out here to LA. And so I know how crazy he is. What was that like? Like getting the chance to not only like see him live, but know that you're kind of responsible for showcasing how good these moves look like. I mean, it was just, well, it's just super, super, super fun. It was low pressure because we had five hours okay. to shoot. I was just going to ask. Yeah. So it's not too bad. Five hours of Travis, five hours with Ed. Um, and so we, we got to take our time, hang out, have a blast, talk. He's a super chill dude. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've been shooting so much fashion and, and models and I shoot for Revolve and big companies like that. And you really only get like 15 minutes with a model sometimes oh, to make yeah, a yeah. full video that's going to go on Instagram, like an ad, like a high quality ad. Right. So, and then 
editing and turning around that same day. That's like what I do for work, right? Yeah, you're used to this. So, so I wasn't even stressing at all. Like I know exactly what I need to get. It, it was super lucky. It was just so in my wheelhouse. Okay. Um, you know, on other jobs, uh, I'm nervous sometimes, but this one I was not. Um, so, I mean, end of the day, it's just, you know, get the big moves on the gimbal and then just get dope stuff to intercut and, and slap it together in the edit. And, and so it's funny, though, because you use a gimbal on Travis, but then on Ed Scott's video, you guys chose to do a one for the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, for sure he's going to use a gimbal for this. But then when we see the behind the scenes, uh, you're just handheld using a ca- holding a camera in one hand. Yeah, that was that was rough. So I we did the first two passes with a gimbal and, uh, you know, it was nice for some parts, but other parts, it was just impossible to control Couldn't as a single down, op. Right? Yeah. yeah. I tried the one where you manually control with your thumb. Yeah. Then I tried the first person gimbal where it just goes where you point it. But it was like basically impossible to keep him in frame because totally. he would like, we'd, I'd be sliding down this, this, uh, this long like wall and the gimbal would just go all over the place and shake. And so looking back i think i should have just shot it on iphone like iphone oh. 13 pro res with a small gimbal yeah, on, yeah. on 0.5 that would have been sick uh but in the moment i was like look we, we got to go handheld and make it look like an action movie and like lean into it yeah, and that's yeah. what we did with the sound design and make it look like we did that on purpose you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah totally and so and then but the other thing is the the cameras these days my r5 it has built-in stabilization yeah. which is like it's come so far. The cameras have come so far in the last few years oh, yeah. that if you're, if you're careful enough and you're walking forward, it looks like a gimbal. Wow. So I thought between that and just like leaning into the action movie vibe, make it look like, um, uh, extraction or something, yeah. you know, then I'll be good. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm stoked how it came out, but I definitely want to try another one of these oneers with a gimbal. Whose concept was it to do the oneer and commit to that? Was that Ed's idea? It was Ed. Yeah. <clears throat> Crazy. Yeah. He, he came up to me and he's like, I got this idea. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately he didn't score that high because they were taking the movement into account yeah. more than the filming. I think, I don't know what he got, maybe like six or something. Okay. But, um, you know, these other athletes are throwing double sides and everything, yeah. which is really Conk hard to do. roof gaps. Like. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. So looking back, Ed probably could have <clears throat> took first or second if he had just shot a video like Travis. Yeah, because he know. has all the big moves. It's just from an athletic standpoint, though, it's so impressive that he was able to combine all those moves into one run. It's almost similar yeah. to how, like, the original Art of Motion format was in competition, which was... 45 seconds to a minute of your hardest stuff in a line. And so I was blown away that he was a, he committed to wanting to push himself to do that many moves in a row. You know, I thought he would have got crazy points for the athleticism Same. of doing it in one thing without messing up. Yeah. And it was 52 seconds. His run crazy. when he started was 52 seconds. That's an eternity guys. Like yeah. if you've never done 52 seconds of free running, go try it right now and tell me your legs aren't feeling like jello at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But Ed Scott is maybe one of the most consistent athletes yeah. He has a bag of tricks that he can do and he just never fails. Hell yeah. So yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and so like uh, you, you kind of alluded to it. I was going to ask so people knew like what camera you use. You're using a Canon R5 right now? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. R- well, I have a Komodo and an R5, but okay. the R5 has the autofocus and it's lighter. So I just went with that, you know, but uh, I, I love that camera so much. Do you ever run into the overheating issues that they used to talk about when it came to the R5 in video? Not really, uh, not really. If I'm shooting a lot of 120 frames per second, that overheats it in like I don't know, 15 minutes or something. Oh wow! But out there, it was it was fine. Yeah, I shot for like 
shop for all day really and it was like it was 80 degrees out okay not super hot but yeah super reliable when it overheats at 120 do you just have to let it cool down or like what's the process there's nothing you can do you're just done for like 30 minutes or an hour or yeah you try to go find like a cooler put it on ice or something and chill for an hour but it's got an internal timer okay just like you have to wait (laughs) wow that's crazy it's kind of nuts that's crazy and now not to make this all about cameras but i feel like a lot of people uh in our industry are, are very much into the tech and the gadgets used uh have you tried the Sony's? Uh, like, because yeah. I know a lot of people swear by like the A7s. I'm still a Canon guy myself. I love the the size of the body comparative to the size of the, the Sony bodies. But yeah. what's your perspective on that as a professional? I mean, the Sony A7S III is just so fire. Like, it's an amazing camera. It's got more dynamic range than the R5. Yeah, yeah. So what I would say is that if I was going in to get, if I had one camera, one one lens to get, like for all my needs, I would get the Sony A7S III okay. for sure because it's just so capable. Um, you could you could shoot a movie on it if you really wanted to. It's yeah. got more dynamic range than the R5. Low light is crazy, too. Low light's ridiculous, obviously. And it does 240 frames a second at 1080s, so it's oh, like wow. a beautiful camera. But the reason I didn't do that is because I have a Komodo for video and then an R5 for uh, mostly for photo, but sometimes for video. And they both are RF mount, Canon yes. RF mount lenses. lenses yeah. So now I have, I've invested, you know, 15 grand into my RF lens kit, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to like branch out to Sony at this point um, and do that. So it's just an amazing combo to have. I'll go up on set, crush video with the Komodo, and then get all my photos with R5. So Crazy. that's, you have to think, it's all about strategy. There's no better camera or worse camera. It's just strategy of what your career is and what you're trying to do. If I was just a vlogger, YouTuber, I like to shoot videos of tricking and parkour and stuff. A7S three all the way. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. And so predating all of this stuff, where we'll get talking about your professional career as a cinematographer nowadays, uh, you were very much involved in the parkour and freerunning scene, uh, yeah. which is why you were probably even asked to be a part of the videos for Art in Motion. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when you stumbled upon parkour, and how did you first like discover back in the days? I was uh, sixteen when I saw. A three-run video, of course. <laughs> Chase Chase Armitage, yes, yes. who was like my idol for a couple of years. Forever, dude. <laughs> yeah, there uh, was a period in time when people thought parkour was called three-running. Like, yeah, literally. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how big three, yeah, three-run made free-running famous. Yeah. Like, they were big on like Break.com and yeah. sh- like this was before YouTube almost. Totally crazy, like history. Um, but you do remember, I'm sure you do the, uh, South bank chase is like wearing, it's like the matrix video. I think of wearing course. red yeah, does yeah. that gainer at South bank. Of course. I was like, that was the first time I'd ever seen that. I was like, I didn't know you could just do a backflip from 15 feet up. <laughs> it was like, that was the moment where I was like, I got to I got to do this. No way. <laughs> I went out like that day and learned how to Kong. <laughs> no way. Crazy. And had you done any acrobatics leading up to that or, um, yeah, back in, back in, uh, like middle school when I was like 11 I went through this like year or two period where like me and my brother and my friend would just go out to the field and and learn back handsprings and wall flips and stuff just like just for fun yeah so that was like so I did that and then there was a long gap and then I got into parkour crazy yeah it's so crazy because back when we were first doing this like one thing that we used to always say was like you had some of the cleanest wall flips there was whether it was just like a wall flash or a wall full back in the days your wall flips are like super super clean and so what do you think that was a credit to was it just hours and hours of repetition or I think I think it yeah it probably helped that I learned how to do it first when I was like 11 okay and then went back and did it later 
and then just just the repetition uh and and training at the gyms on those those cheese wedges and everything and learning how to get height and just kind of like i mean yeah it's a ten thousand hours thing and me and david elson um one of my best friends and he's you know spider-man stunt double super sick parkour guy too we would just spend a stupid amount of time it would be training three hours at night in the gym but before that we had already been at santa monica for five hours training and uh, in the wall flips, I think it's just the natural, like, you know, Anise has the craziest, floatiest corks. It's yeah. just his body's good at that. For whatever reason, wall flips are just like the thing for me. Crazy. <laughs> and I know at a certain point it was cool because we were all training like together collectively at Gymnastics Olympica a lot and then going out to like sessions at CSUN and stuff. And at a certain point, you and Dave Elson, OJ, uh, got asked to be a member of Team Tempest who, during that time. Who else was it at the same time? Was it also... Yeah, it was me and David, and Lucy was like a few weeks before us. Okay, okay. Yeah, Lucy was the first one. Yes. Me and David, Kane Sinclair. Kane Sinclair, yes. Yeah, and uh, then like Levi Muenberg yes. and like a bunch of OGs. Crazy. Then they added Corey uh, and, and Jesse, Corey yes. DeMyers, Jesse LaFlair, Shane Daniels, uh, a few other people. Yes, yeah, so you were one of the original ones added outside of the original four founders. I was uh, the sixth, yeah. Wow, no yeah. way. That's so <laughs> crazy to think about, right? Right. Yeah, I bet there's like a lot, there's a huge portion of the community that probably doesn't even know that because you, you were in the game very early on and then stepped away to pursue this other career. And so yeah. it's just cool for people to hear the history of like, you're there right after Lucy. like Right right from the beginning, competed. And then I competed in, in Red Bull in 09 yes. and 10. Oh, yes. In Austria. And you know I'm going to bring this up about <laughs> no, I've, been, I've been waiting years to talk about this. If, if you don't know what we're referring to, just go on to YouTube.com, type in Freerunner Sick as Bail. This video should have like 100 million views. It doesn't have enough views. Um, so I'll set the stage and then get your perspective on it. Uh, you're at a Red Bull competition. You're, let's say, four stories up in the air. And you're about to wall flip across a gap and land back on the gap. And all of a sudden, we just see you free falling between the building. And for lack of a better term, you save your own life by grabbing an electrical cord that pulls out of the wall. And you actually see the light go off that you pulled out of. (laughs) And you somehow, like, land safely. Uh, yeah. So... Dude, one of the one of the craziest things that ever happened in any parkour competition worldwide, like hands down. Yeah, no, I mean, so uh, it was a stupid a- accident. First off, right, it, it combined with the crazy amount of luck um, that the wire was even there. And so, basically, long story short, it's my first competition, first move of my first competition <laughs> in two thousand nine. I've been training a lot, like I'm ready for this. I tried it in practice and stuff. So you did practice the move. Not on the gap itself. Okay. The gap, the gap is four steps. Okay. I went to a brick wall and I put a line down that was five steps. Okay. And I went and I did the move 50 times, 50 out of 50. I nailed it. It wasn't even like an issue. Yeah. So then I go up there. My heart's beating like a million miles an hour. <laughs> they announce my name, Ryan McLovin, Houchin. My music starts, you know, I take a breath. I look at the wall and it's going to be cake. I, I, and here's the fatal issue though. I step off to take it. And when I look down, this kind of fear response took over. And instead of doing a nice chest up floaty backflip, uh, I did the, I did a fast backflip. So you tuck too quick. I tuck too quick. I dropped my chest and reached my foot out and did one of those low flash kick wall flips. Boom. Rather than the big floaty one. Yes. And I just didn't, I just didn't make it like, (laughs) 
Like the one thing, <laughs> the, the one, one thing, thing to not do at all costs <laughs> yeah. is just don't fall <laughs> off, me, the yeah. fu- off the roof. <laughs> like, and my nervous system is like, nope. <laughs> so what's going through your mind as you're falling, literally like Spider-Manning down a roof, which I heard there was no pad at the bottom, right? No so pad. like if you would have literally taken a four-story drop to concrete. It was 40 feet. And in the video, it's hard to tell, but where I come out, it's actually another 10 feet down. Below, yeah, because that's a, yeah. you're on top of like a, a steel deck that's exactly. raised up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there, it, was, it was about 40 feet straight concrete. So basically, I mean, the moment you start falling down, you know, I kind of like go third person, the body (laughs) takes over, right? Like your body makes a movement and then you think about what you just did rather than uh, normally you like think about doing something, then do it is opposite, right? So body goes first. Then I realize what I did after. So, um, yeah, just falling down the first like second, I'm kind of slowing myself down, but then I'm just completely free falling. Wow. And, uh, and like in the most disbelief, you know, the, the craziest thing ever, all of a sudden I just feel, I just feel something hook under my left knee and I feel myself decelerating. My arm reaches out and grabs something. And then as quickly and horrifyingly as it started, it was like over and I was holding onto this wire. <laughs> like you just can't even imagine. And, <laughs> and, and it was just a photographer's light. And like yeah, you said, yeah. you see it go you out. You see it go out and yeah, unplug it. Yeah, it was video. held with three pieces of duct tape on the roof that I took off from. And, uh, and, and, and that was that. And, and so I'm holding on. And then I have this crazy moment of like, okay, that was the most intense moment of my life <laughs> ever. And I should probably like cry this out or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I should probably just stop. Or my other part of my brain was like, or just keep going and just do the run. And you chose to side flip a gap immediately after. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, my brain was like, oh, just keep going. So I just stopped and I did the, well, I did the whole run. There's yeah. a, there's a minute long run. And there, in my personal opinion, tell me if I'm wrong. It looks like there gets to a part where you're at the bottom when you're about to do like maybe a front flip over a wall and you like pause and you kind of like take a couple steps back. Like I was always curious is that if that was a moment that it hit you <laughs> mid run or not, like that's, that's very perceptive of yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's the moment I had a whole run planned, which yeah. I did. And that was going to be my running gainer full. Okay. Which at that time that would have been like a high Massive. scoring move that, yeah. that could have got me like podium maybe. Um, and so I took the step to do it and my, uh, I was like, okay, maybe not that. And then I changed to a front flip. Yes. In okay. that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I was very curious because I, I was always like, his front flips are too easy that I don't know why he would have paused there just for a front flip. And yeah. I was always curious, like, if all of a sudden, like, shock hits you after 30 seconds and then you're just like, yeah. oh, my God, I almost died. Like, what am I doing right now? It yeah. was the shock of, like, I can't survive that and then go do a gainer full and, like, roll my ankle. Like, I can't, like, mess up. Like, that would be crazy. So like, you already, like, I pushed my luck once. I'm not going to risk it twice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Dude, exactly. So, so you finished the run miraculously. The craziest part is when you start falling down the building, you see, like, your teammates, McLovin and Lucy and them run over and peek down. People thought you literally died. Yeah. Um, What's going through your mind when you get on the ground, like, and your run is over? Like, I mean, just the most crazy physiological, you know, experience, just the heart racing, the, the adrenaline. I couldn't catch my breath either. I was just like hyperventilating. And then, and then the free runners 
you know, all the other athletes run out, they see I'm alive and they were like hugging me super tight and I couldn't breathe. I was like, <laughs> I was just like, I just knew it was the most intense experience probably of my life. And so it's just, Dude. it was a lot, so much. I, I did, I did have a little like, like cry afterwards. Cause it was like, it's just rough, you yeah, know? And yeah. I'm, I'm 19. I'm just like, I almost died and everything. Um, but on it, it's just crazy. I didn't really get hurt at all. Like physically I didn't get hurt at all. Crazy. You know what I mean? Did yeah. your parents, were they watching live? No, no, okay. thankfully. No. I told my mom once I got back to the, to, <laughs> oh, yeah, thank goodness. To LA. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. So, so crazy, man. And so I, I've always had to ask you after this, did that life have a pivotal change within your perception of parkour and free running? Like, did you, after that, choose to not go as hard? Like, I, I don't know. You didn't enter any other comps after that, right? No, okay. I didn't enter. Yeah, and it totally could have. I think the big change, the big mental change was that um, I was 100% sure that I was going to make that. Like, not 99. I was, like, 100% sure. And it was a life or death situation. And then I didn't make it. So it recalibrated what 100% sure means to me, right? I was like, okay, that's kind of crazy. Um, and so from then on, I had to be like 110% sure, if yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Like you have to just like, so I took, I think I took things a little bit safer. Um, and I didn't really want to like push my luck or anything. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I still just kept with the flat ground tricking and everything. It just got way better at all that kind of stuff for like, you know, years and years and years. But have you ever done a roof gap wall flip ever since? I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> Understandably part, so. part of me wants to like do one <laughs> yeah. and like really train for it and yeah. like, you know, put a nail in that coffin. Yes. <laughs> so crazy, man. And so have you rewatched the video yourself or oh, is yeah, it something yeah. you won't go back and watch? No, I'm totally good. I've watched people watch it all the time. I've seen it a million times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So crazy, dog. Literally art of motion history, parkour and free running history in general, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. could have been disastrous and somehow came out with like one of the craziest saves of all time. Like, yeah. of all time. So much. I mean, and dude, they, the, the competitions are still dangerous like that. And yeah. that's, that's part of the sport, though. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like the gap, the gap I was doing with Verky just now, that was four stories down. The Congainer one? Or the, the, no, the, um, the, the cork gap. Oh, the yeah, big, yeah. The cork across. Yeah. yeah, yeah to the other yeah. rooftop. Yeah, yeah. It was, that was a fat gap, you know. Yeah. There's, there's no safeties, you know. But that's, that's what parkour and free running is. So the Red Bull comps are pretty authentic in that, yeah. in that regard. <laughs> it's definitely the reason why they try to do live events. Um, and I know that's what, like, on MTV's Parkour Challenge, that's why they wanted to have the MTV show live, was yeah. the risk factor that someone could get really messed up. Exactly. And in my mind, I'm like, this is horrible. Like, you don't want to see someone die on TV. Like, no. But uh, I guess that's why you watch, like, extreme sports events and why, you know, BMX events are so popular and motocross events are popular is that 1% chance that something could go wrong and you're, you're able to witness it, I guess. You know? No, totally. The, the, that downhill BMX stuff, like, yeah. that stuff's so gnarly. Like that's Red way Bull gnarlier. Rampage stuff. Like, I'm like, yeah. bro, how does, how does everyone get out of here okay? Like, 100%. Yeah. The, I mean, these people are d dropping 40, 50 feet, going, yeah. like, 60 miles an hour on, on rocks. bikes. Yeah. Yeah. It makes free running look not as crazy, to be honest. <laughs> <For real stuff. laughs> I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I watch that. I'm like, this is wild, y'all. Like, yeah. these guys literally every run, you could die. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally could die. Parkour and free running, you could pick and choose and not flip off someone high. You may totally. break an ankle or, you know, break a leg. But 
Yeah, those Red Bull Rampage downhill ones are nutty events, man. They're so, so nutty. That's a car crash every every time yeah. you go around a turn. It's like <laughs> so crazy, <laughs> so crazy, man. So after that point in your your career, um, you obviously took like a little bit of a step back from doing it as a profession. Um, at what point did you decide to get into like videography and cinematography and photography? I guess you know. That was like a that was like a cross dissolve, <laughs> <laughs> to use an editing term. It just like slowly started doing less stunts and more video stuff. It was like a three year transition period where where it just kind of merged, um, you know. Because also two stunts just like stunts hurt, you know. Yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> I remember when we'd have these conversations. You were very much one of those that was like, "I don't want to fall forever." Yeah, like a lot of us were like, "Oh, we're gonna fall and do this for a profession." You were like, "I don't want to fall." Yeah, you know. No, I when I wasn't good at it. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> all you guys trained really well, and you you like you could taco. Yeah, yeah. And then you could just get up and be okay. Yeah. Like mostly for me, I would taco, knock my wind out, <laughs> bite my tongue, get a headache, and I'm like. <laughs> I hate this dude. This is not for me. So maybe I just wasn't a good stuntman. Like, and I think stunt coordinators and people started to realize it and just hire me more for like parkour specific stuff where I landed on my feet. Yeah. So I was like, I can't quite make a full career unless you're hitting the deck. You can't be a stuntman. Really? That's not going to, that's very true. Yeah. yeah, If you say yes to a job, you better say yes to everything. The stunt coordinator asks of you, obviously. Yeah. There's no like, mm, I don't want to do that one. That that looks scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, yeah. can't, you can't do that. Can't really do that one. Yeah. So yeah. So the filming stuff kind of just like you know just kind of took off. Uh, luckily, yeah. What did you start with first? Was it photos or video or like what just, do you think got both. you in the door? Okay. Yeah, saying yes to every single thing anybody asked me to do. Okay. Like hundred dollars like to shoot BTS on set and stuff, and then one hundred turned to two hundred, then five hundred. And then, you know, I'm able to charge like two grand a day now. So I'm work, worked my way up over like a seven year period. Just as you get better, as you get more gear, as you get more experience, you just slowly up your rates. And, you know, the more you charge, the more people value you too and think you're worth it. Yeah, even yeah. if you don't think you are. Yeah. It's like, that's why I tell everyone is just charge more. <laughs> Was there a pivotal job where you remember being like, oh, I finally have made it. Like, this is now a viable career for myself. Like there was definitely a few. I think the big one that comes to mind is when I shot, I directed a national commercial for Jenny Kane. Nice. Played like broadcast. And I was like, wow. All right. I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm like, okay at this. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's just been really fun, but that's why combining that Red Bull thing, it was combining the two things I'm best at in the world. Yeah. That's why it was just way too fun. Yeah. Uh, running on rooftops with a camera doing parkour while filming. It's like, I kind of want to change career paths and go into like expert, like uh, fit camera motion on set. Cause for that's not jobs. stuff that like a normal normal camera ops going to want to do. There's no way a normal camera ops going to jump a roof gap with you or drop yeah. from like an eight foot drop down with you. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Yeah. Like Michael so. Bay, maybe he can like watch that video or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's been cool. Like to see guys like uh, Daniel Labaka. Have you been seeing what he's been doing on his rollerblades? Oh, it's like super, super cool. And obviously Danny has such a mind over matter, like mindset and the ability to do crazy stuff that I'm like, Oh yeah, this makes total sense that he's able to get these crazy angles and understand how it should look, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. Danny's like the most multi-talented dude on the planet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's the reason why, why I copied his style of posting that, like the real video on bottom and then the BTS on yes. the top. Like I got all that from stunt camera crew. Cause okay. like they're, they're leading the, sh the show with, with that 
the kind of filming. It's amazing. So. And the BTS is so on point. He has like a GoPro in his mouth, a 360 yeah. cam attached to his rig. Yes. It's, yeah, it's so sick. So, so crazy to see. And so obviously like you do this as a, as a full-time career now, are, are you like, I guess for those that don't know how, how it works out there, are you like independent contracted? Like how do you stumble upon jobs and, and get jobs and clients at this point in your career? Yeah, I fully freelance. And so just like with stunt work, I, the phone just rings, you know, you just make, you just make connections People see your work and, and then, you know, I just get a text like, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Probably 80% of my work comes from like the same three repeat production yeah, companies. Totally. People, they know that, it's, and it's funny, they all know me for different things. One knows me as an editor. Okay. One knows me as a photographer. One as a videographer. Crazy. And so they'll just call me and, you know, I'm all over the place with it. Um, but it's really good. Like there's so much work out there. It's crazy. The phone is ringing. Like I can kind of choose to work whenever I want. Which is, which is a nice place to be. It's just, it's hard to take vacations, as you know. Yes, of You have course. to turn down $10,000 of work if yes. you want to go to Hawaii. I know. So, and Hawaii costs 10000 so really it's a $20,000 trip. <laughs> totally. <you're> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I know one of the production companies that you get to work with every so often is really cool and full circle in the sense that uh, 1DS Productions that yeah. you get to work with is co-owned by Sam Parham, who's yes. one of the original three run members. And it's so cool that like, this has all come kind of like full circle. Now we're like one of the teams that inspired you, you now get to work side along one of the original members that owns equity and three run the company. It's it, like, it's crazy, right? Crazy how life works. You know? Yeah. Sam. And I looked up to him just like chase. He had yeah. those clean front roll front tucks and yes. everything back uh, in the parkour day. poetry video. I don't know if you remember that one. That was a video he did where he's doing parkour and he's reading a poem that he wrote. And that was one of the ones I'll always remember about Sam. Forever. I'm sure I've seen that yeah. one. Oh, that's so sick. Yeah. yeah well, and a majority of my work comes from 1DS actually okay. they're 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 the top one that I work with totally um, yeah and I know like one of the uh, one of the clients and I guess one of the projects that you get to work on with 1DS uh, that's probably the most recognizable with people around the world uh, would have to be Liver King for those that know Liver King's account um, this guy's got millions of followers was recently featured on what the Logan Paul podcast um, and he's known for his ancestral lifestyle and eating yeah. head, to t head to tail of these animals um, what is that like getting the chance to go out and work with him and shoot a lot of his content that the world is seeing on Instagram? It's, it's kind of sick. We, we shot, we launched this whole thing. He hired one DS and I was the first one on the first day videographer to go shoot with him. Um, and, uh, he's an interesting guy, you know, um, there, there's a lot, we shoot a lot for him. We shoot, um, uh, 30 reels a month so that he has one to post every day. Wow. And, uh, and we do that over a five day period and four YouTube videos. Oh, wow. Um, and then we're chopping that up into YouTube shorts, Instagram reels for TikTok, all that kind of stuff. Crazy. And, uh, he's pretty much just like he is on camera. I mean, he eats that way. I've eaten testicles and, and raw liver, raw heart, bone marrow, all that stuff with him. No way. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he walks, he walks the walk. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> well, what does what raw liver taste like? I've never done it. Raw liver tastes horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes so bad. I've it's probably the worst thing you could ever eat. Really? But he eats it so easily in these videos. I'm I like, know. How is he doing this? I think you just gotta. I think you just gotta um, do it for a few weeks and just okay. power through it and okay. like take a few bites and take it down with some water. But wow. the the nutrient profile is so crazy that yes. uh, you just you you don't you don't do it because it tastes good. You do it like working out. You don't you know you don't lift heavy and work out two hours a day because you really really want to because. You do, you do it because of the results, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, I love working out, but, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but no, but liver, you just, you, you don't think of it. It's not a pleasure thing. It's like the, the nutrient profile is so ridiculous. It is the most nutrient dense food on the planet. Yeah. hundred percent. There's some people that say like, they don't even understand how he's able to eat it so often. They say like, you shouldn't even eat it every day, but clearly he does. And yeah. It's because the vitamin A is so high yeah. that they're worried about vitamin A toxicity, but yeah. he has his whole reasons. He's like, no, you can totally do it. You just have to make sure that your other vitamins, vitamin D, vitamin K, all these ones are up because if you just have high vitamin A, then you could have issues. But as long as they're all because they all work synergistically okay. and they balance each other out or something. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I eat like two ounces a day. I do the raw every liver. day. Uh, not every day, okay. but like uh, kind of. I'm trying to Crazy. and the raw bone marrow. And where do you get it from? Like where do you source your sprouts? Okay. Yeah, they have this calf liver. It's already like it's thin sliced and everything. And the method, and this is a super important if you want to eat liver and bone marrow, the method is super easy. You, you pull it out of the freezer, you let it sit for 10 to 15 minutes, then eat it. Okay. Right at that, at that moment and the bone marrow. Because if you, if you wait too long, then the liver gets all squishy and room temperature. Gelatinous. Yeah, yeah. It's so much more nasty and like, ugh. but if it's like mostly frozen, that you can barely just cut through it, then it, it's not that bad. Wow. And as someone that's yeah. done it yourself, like, do you see any benefits from it? Or like, yeah. obviously, is there a reason why you continue to do so? The, I mean, for me, the, the proof is in the pudding. Like, it's immediate, it's immediate results. Like, the moment I eat it, I get this, like, wave of calm, Whoa. this, like, heightened clarity, and, and then good energy. And, to, like, you feel it literally right after you're done eating it. No way. Yeah. Crazy. And raw is better than cooked. It has a lot more... I don't know, whatever it is, peptides or growth factors or something. And yeah, it doesn't taste worse than cooked either. Like cooked liver, Cooked liver liver. isn't that amazing. Oh, it tastes like balls. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy, man. I didn't know that you were doing it yourself. That's pretty cool to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. All right. Well, maybe I'll try it sometime. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I want to stumble on. How many days a week are you doing it? I probably more like three or four and I just do it. It's just like kind of like a vitamin to me. Okay. Like I'll have like a good, like some grass fed steak or something. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of vegetables. I'm not crazy about the diet. Like he is, you know, (laughs) he's a machine. It's crazy, bro. He is crazy. And he's downing like 8,000 calories a day. Holy. Something like that. But That's he works crazy. out harder than anyone I've ever seen. In my I was going to ask that, like, yeah, if when you're out there, if you're pretty amazed by what he's doing, or if it's just yeah. all cosmetic. But it seems like he's pretty intense yeah. about his workouts. Yeah, yeah, an hour and a half in the morning uh, of his strength training, it, and and benching, uh, max max effort, you know, bench squats, deadlifts, and everything. Then he does work for a few hours, and then he does his metcon in the afternoon, where he pushes himself for like 30, 45 minutes. Maximum heart rate type thing? Maximum heart rate, just going from uh, aerobike or whatever it's called to like rope swings or all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Crazy. And at this point in your life, like, do you still get out and flip around? I'll occasionally see like a video on your social media of you doing like a backflip at a a music festival or something like that. Um, But do you still go upside down? I do. I love, I, I do a wall, a wall flip at least once a month, a backflip like every week, okay. a wall flip every once in a while, keep it going, you know? And I do the knees over toes guy program. Oh, no way. That's, that's like pretty much rehabbed all my like knee and ankle injuries. Crazy. So now I can, I'm back to being able to like flip and it doesn't hurt at all. <laughs> you feel like you can jump higher from that stuff or it's just how you maintain better? I can definitely jump higher. Uh, the first, the first like month, I, I think I added like two inches to my vertical. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. 
Yeah, it's, it's very crazy. I, I find this is a common thing amongst our group of friends that a lot of us are now starting to do the conditioning that we should have done over 10 years ago. I know. Like if we had done this stuff when we were actually training, like at the peak of our training, we probably would have been even better, less injury prone, way more athletic when it came to our jumps, you know? A hundred percent. It's crazy. Aren't you doing, uh, I see you at uh, this certain gym. Yeah, I'm at Live Athletics for PT a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm there just because, dude, I'm at that age where if I don't take care of some of these nagging injuries, I'm going to fall apart. Um, so I've had surgery on both knees, tore my MCL a couple years ago at Camp Woodward during the pandemic. And uh, after that, I just like went to there and I realized like how weak a lot of my stabilizers were. And I'm like, dude, you can't just take this for granted anymore. So I committed to like three days a week of PT when I'm not on set. And dude, I was telling one of my friends the other day this, like, dude, I did a 50 inch box jump like a month ago, like nothing. And I'm 50? like, yeah, yeah, I'll show you. It's on my Instagram. I'll have to show you. I did a 50 inch box jump. And I'm like, I don't know if I was doing 50 inch box jumps when I was doing parkour back in the days. It probably would have been such a useful skill to have, you know? Like, 100%. Yeah, it's crazy. So what, what have you noticed since starting like in terms of like the tendons and ligaments and knee and all I that just, kind of I stuff. I just feel more stable. Like yeah. I just feel a lot more stable and I just feel like, uh, I don't know how to, how to explain it. I just feel like more secure in my ability to like take impact and jump around. Cause like occasionally I'll get baited into training with Bailey. Um, who's like way younger than me, significantly younger. And he's at the beginning of the sports journey. So as you know, he's like, everything he sees is like, oh, we could jump this, we could jump this. And I'm way past that. But there'll be times when I'm training with him and I'm like, oh, like I'm actually able to hang even though I don't train all the time just because I feel like my legs are strong enough now, finally, you know? So Right, right. Yeah, stuff we should have been doing forever ago. Like I, I probably would have avoided both surgeries had I done this 10 years ago. You know? Yeah, potentially. I mean, that's what the knees over toes guys thing yeah. is all about. I mean, my theory is like I look at him, I look at him dunk, right? And yeah. he's got mad, mad hops. And totally. I'm like, if I can get to the point where I can dunk, that automatically means that like, I'm in really good shape with my legs yeah. and, and my tendons and ligaments and everything is like super on point. Like, so that's my goal. That's what, that's the bar I said is like, okay, I just want to dunk. And you know, probably it would take like a year, nine months to a year of like really, really strict training uh, with his program to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I figure that's just like, kind of like the goal to, to go for. Yeah. And I was going to ask, cause you're one of the few that actually got to start as a young individual in the sport. Like a lot of us got into PK and stuff in our like, uh, early twenties. Some of us are late tw mid to late twenties. You actually started as a teenager. Did you see like wear and tear on your body? Cause it, it we're such a, a sport in its infancy that we really haven't seen the full lifespan of how long someone can necessarily go for yet. Um, as someone that was pushing it at a high level at a young age, like what did you think your body was like, I guess over the last few 10 years, you know? I mean, I, de I definitely have, I've rolled ankles a lot. Everything clicks, you know what I mean? I have like, you know, some issues, some pain, injuries, like lower back tightness, things like that, right? Which I just need to rehab out. But I probably started noticing like patella tendonitis and things like that come up like a few years in, maybe okay. when I was like 19, 20, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, but it could have been, it could have been like a poor technique thing too. Cause I'm looking at a lot of these guys like, uh, like Verky and these twin parkour guys and stuff. Yes. They're really, really, really good at always staying on the ball or feet. Yeah. And, and so there, there's impacts. I think they're absorbing them really well. Yeah. So they might have like a long, super long life in this sport, um, barring injury or, or anything. But for us, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we didn't 
think about that as much or not. We definitely weren't as precise on our landings. I yeah. feel like, I feel like that's like such, like you talked about earlier, the, the flip precisions is such a huge thing now, yeah. which wasn't a massive thing back in the day for a bunch of reasons. But I guess in order to do that, you have to be so precise on that toe landing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're automatically going to be landing soft yeah. and absorbing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like sometimes on the spring floor, I would just like, you know, just do as many like backflip punch fronts as <laughs> yeah, like exactly. treating it like a trampoline, right? Yeah, totally. Boom, so much on the knees. So but much. it's almost better, I think, if you're training on concrete every day, but landing on the balls of your feet. I agree. You know, so I think these these coming these kids could have a pretty long career. They're they're so strong, their legs are crazy strong. Yeah. And their technique is really good. It's kind of crazy. I like took a long break from tricking and stuff on the spring floor. And there'll be times now where I train parkour and like, yeah, I'm, I'm super sore from the concrete, but then there's times where I'm on the spring floor and my lower back is killing me because of the reverberations. I feel like, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, wow, we used to just be gym rats, like for a long period of time, especially in the fundamental years of learning all these things. We were just on spring floor all the time. And I'm just like, man, maybe these kids that are on concrete all the time may have a longer lifespan, potentially. I think so. they might because, like, I wonder if you're bypassing the shock absorption yeah. with the spring floor. because you're. Le- but then that force does go somewhere, probably lower back, right? So because if you're out on concrete, you're just absorbing with pure muscles, glutes, calves, quads. Yeah. You're just, like, absorbing. But if you're on the spring floor, yeah, you're, you're bouncing off your heels and stuff, right? Yeah. You're going to have that lower back compression. So 100%. I don't know. Yeah. Crazy. And so obviously you're pretty removed from the sport as far as like a daily practitioner at this point, but do you still stay up to date with all the videos and the crazy things yeah. going on in the community? Like I follow, I follow all the, all the major guys and okay. just still watch it and love it. I can't walk outside without looking at something. Like, oh, I want to climb that or do this. Like, it's just imprinted in my brain hell yes um i mean you train i think you train a lot more than i do you i see your videos all the time i try to dog yeah. i think it's just because i'm in denial of how old i am where i'm like yo i got a few years left bro like i, I need to like maximize it before i just i think this i thought about this i don't know if you've ever thought about this but i think one of the saddest days in my life will be the day when i tell my body to do something and it doesn't respond right like the day that i try to do a flip and it just doesn't land I feel like it's going to probably be one of the worst days of my entire life, you know? I wonder how long out that is, though, right? Like, yeah, it's a good question. You know, with the, proper, with the proper training and diet and everything, you could probably push that out really far, um, you know? I definitely think we have a, lo- a better chance than people in previous generations, for sure. I mean, there's some trickers that, that exist in some parkour guys that are in their 40s yeah. that are pushing it at a pretty decent level. You know what I'm saying? There, there's a, there was a tricker guy that I swear was doing, I don't know if he's doing triples, but he may be doing triple corks and he's like almost 40. It's like Triple corks yeah, at 40? Pretty crazy, you know? See, I mean, exactly. If you can still cork cork maybe when you're like 50 or something, like, sweet, it's pretty yeah. epic. And I don't even need to do the crazy moves, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just enough style moves and stuff and yeah. maybe maybe your style evolves and you bring more break dancing and less impact yeah. stuff into the and you know what i mean because totally. this is art at the end of the day yeah and yeah. i get just as much pleasure watching b-boy cloud as watching someone do crazy air flares right yeah. like so i almost I, I talk about this sometimes with friends is like i almost wish that i was born 10 years later in this generation because my style was during the time when we were in the sport the community was all about these massive fucking gainers and yeah. huge front flips. Um, 
And my style was always like more tied into tricking. And so I like just doing like little intricate type moves and stuff. And I feel like now it's like so respected in the community where you literally have guys that are just like flow masters now that yeah. don't even necessarily do big drops at all. And they still are, you know, heralded within the community and stuff. And it's almost 100%. cooler. Like I almost wish that like right now was the generation that I was in and could have still done like the same style of moves nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Like a thousand percent. Yeah. Like I was doing 360 rolls. I have like a video of me doing 360 rolls at IMAX in like 2010 and it just wasn't a real popular move. And now like I, I swear you see that shit like everywhere, you know, it's like everyone's yeah. tossing 360 dives into their yeah. middle of their routine. It's like yeah. a break almost. They're like, okay. Yeah. I have like my first video of me doing one. I think on YouTube is like, I do cartwheel 540 roll back in 2008 yeah. or 2007. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that just wasn't around for a long time. It just wasn't really respected. Like some people was like, that's cool. But now it's like you do people do 360 rolls in competitions or 720 rolls. And like, you know, Dom Tomato does them in live comps and stuff. So yeah, like, it's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I think uh, that I think that's really interesting. You were early on that, and the sports going that way, I think it's going to yeah. evolve into a way that people can do it longer, less impact. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dom, by the way, <laughs> he's another he's another type of being, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing him train in person is crazy, bro. Yeah. Like crazy. The drops he takes. Did you see the Red Bull one? Yeah. Yeah. That front flip to the wall was also super crazy, bro. Like it was so much crazier in person. Like it's hard to, it's hard to stand on that roof. Yeah, because I stood there and looked at it, just jumping it, right? Like yeah, just jumping it is a joke. It's like <laughs> so stupid. Like you look at it, like no way. Yeah. And he was just he told everyone he's just gonna jump it. Yeah. And of then the last moment he decided oh, I'm gonna front flip it. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a nutter man. I, and when I had him on the Jamcast, I got to talk to him about a lot of the moves, like the Kong front and all that stuff. And he literally, um, he said he's his body goes in waves, almost like a season. And he said like. He'll take one year on where he's just pushing the limits, and then he takes one year off. Wow. And he said right now he's kind of off. Interesting. And I was like, what? I'm like, your videos don't look like you're off. He's like, yeah, trust me. Like, the next year I'll be on again. And I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy that in his mind right now he's just kind of in this lull main maintenance phase, whereas all the videos that I see on Instagram are still, like, mind-blowing, death-defying type drops and stuff you know yeah 100 percent. i yeah. mean i guess off for him is like yeah like crazy side pre's and he's still dropping two stories i don't, I don't know what on is and that's then what I guess, i'm saying yeah yeah he said there's a few things that he wants to accomplish and do uh that are pretty crazy and i'm like dude i uh, hope that they go successfully and very well but yeah i mean he's just when i saw him front flip the the leon stairs the big stair set that yep. people used to like skateboard i was like this guy is from another planet like he doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, he's got an interesting build too. Yes. He's like almost perfect for it. Yeah, yeah. He's really uh, he's really slim and kind of wiry, yeah. so he's not carrying a, a ton of weight on his upper body. But he's strong enough. And then his legs are like mad strong, yeah. right? It's almost like like to put a twenty pound weight vest on and then do ev try to do all the moves that you can currently do. It's yeah. so hard, right? Yeah, yeah. So he looks like he's built pretty slim, like you know, almost the perfect build for his style. He's, yeah, he's yeah. tripled down on what he's good at. You know? Yeah. A lot of guys like that. I mean, even like our homie Jenks, like Ben yeah. Jenkins is like shorter torso slimmed out at the top, but has super powerful legs, you know, yeah. same as Verky. Verky's not very big up top as well. You know, yeah. it's very, very rare for a lot of these elite guys to be massive in their upper body, except like Joe Scandrick's one of the few 
Eric yeah. Mukamechin, I guess, is one of the few. Yeah. Um, but the majority of them are all pretty slim, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah, even the newer, uh, like Ellis Torhall, all these yes. guys, there's kind of like an ideal body type, I almost think, yeah, for free yeah. running. Twin parkour, same thing. Twin parkour guys. But see, then you get like Alfred Scott, he's like on the taller end, you know Freakishly what I mean? Freakishly tall, yeah. And still throwing down crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it's very unique to see for sure, man. Um, and so one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about only because some of our audience uh, listens and, and talks about this themselves is uh, you had a very successful crypto run in the <laughs> yeah. last bull market. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and we could talk about it as much or as little as you're willing to talk about. Mm. Um, but uh, it's something that we talk about in here, especially because finances are something that come up as a common topic. Because as you know, the majority of parkour and free running athletes aren't the most well off necessarily. But there has become this small portion of the population that has made a good amount of money. Um, there's some guys that Bailey's been hanging out with in Europe right now. They're in this like crypto group and a bunch of them made millions, bro. They're driving around in Lambos wow. and stuff right now. And whether it was like some pump and dump coins or they just collectively all rode these to the top, like, you know, Bailey was literally telling me like, he's like, dude, you wouldn't believe how these guys' lives have changed. Like, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, not to say that you weren't making money before, but you definitely got really, really successful on this last bull run. Um, so are you able to talk about what you turned into what, like from start to finish, I yeah. guess? No, hundred percent. Um, no, I got, I got lucky. I'm in a, I'm in a group chat with a few super talented traders that do a lot of research. So I don't have to do all the research. I kind of just like listen to them. Yeah. And, um, so one of the guys in the chat trip, this is a uh, two years ago, He's like, this is before the big bull run that just happened, right? He's saying that he's really into this one gaming coin. He thinks it's super cool. It's called Axie Infinity. Yes. And it's uh, it's like it's kind of like Pokemon. It's kind of like you can play games, but you can also earn money playing games. It's all built on the Ethereum blockchain and all this stuff. I'm like, like honestly, that seems like a pretty good use case. And I checked out their Twitter. They're super active on Twitter. I'm like, okay, this company is legit. Yeah. Uh, so I put in, I put in nine grand at what price point at 40 cents for Axie Jesus infinity Jesus Christ. and then it ended up going to, uh, $180, yeah. which is like crazy, but I pulled a lot out right as it's going up. Yeah, like the yeah. first time I 10 X 30 cents to $3, I'm like, I that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to pull a lot out right now. Okay. Right. And so I pulled a lot out on the way up. If I just kept it all in, it would have been millions. Right. Yeah. Um, so I ended up over the next year, I invested in some other things too. So I turned that nine grand into like a million. It, that's about where it topped out. Crazy. And then it dropped to, then the bear market kind of started and that quickly dropped to like a half mil. Wow. And I was like, I got to lock in some gains here. Yeah. Yeah. So I pulled out, from that half million, I pulled out 250 grand. And if you live in America, <laughs> capital gains, crazy capital gains It's 35 to the feds and 12 to California. So 47, out the, 50%. basically 50% out the door. So I pulled out the, the 250 and I, I used like 125 to buy a house, down payment on a house, gave the other, <laughs> gave the other uh, 50% to Uncle Sam. Crazy. Uh, so he can go spend it horribly probably somewhere. hundred <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> percent. But, but, uh, but it's all good. Like I still came up. I also, but before, during the board, I bought a car. I bought a bunch of art. You know, <laughs> I, I bought a bunch of good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 
I, I definitely came out on top, but just the taxes are so gnarly. So, so crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's crazy is that like, it, it's one of those stories where it's like, we all heard about it. I'm in that group too. Like we all hear these calls, but not everyone commits to throwing in a significant amount of money or being able committed to just letting it run its course. You know what I'm saying? hundred uh, percent. And anytime you hear it, people are like, oh, that's not real, but it's cool. Like you're one of the stories where I'm like, no, really, I've seen someone turn like $9,000 <laughs> into like a million dollars, guys. Yeah. Like it's really true and possible. It feels weird. Cause yeah, those are the stories you hear. Yeah. And I'm like, I, that happened to me. It <laughs> doesn't even feel real. Uh, 100%. But and what I'll say though, is like, it's crazy right now in June, uh, 2022, there's a, we're in the middle of a big bear market right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. If anybody's, you know, listening to this that wants to invest, it's not a bad time. Yes. Axie infinity, like PYR Vulcan forge, yeah. uh, even just Bitcoin, Ethereum, these prices are crazy and it's going to come back. You yeah. know what I mean? Ethereum hit $900 the other day. And I was like, I should just go all in on Ethereum because we know it's going to go back up to at least four or five grand, potentially oh, yeah. even up to 10 on its next major run. 100%. So. I think the next major bull run should pretty easily get to $300,000 Bitcoin, you know? Uh, so I think we're going to have another year of pain probably, yeah. but it, it's probably a good idea to start dollar cost averaging in at this point. Um, Especially if it's not money that you need to pay your monthly expenses or you're not eating like check to check and stuff. If you have the extra money right now, I'm going pretty heavily in the stock market right now. Yeah. Um, just because it's a little bit more stable in crypto, so to speak, I guess, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I just went in really heavily on Amazon stock. It just split 20 to one for the first time in 20 years. Yeah. So at one point it was like $3,600 a share dropped down a little, it split right now. You get a share of Amazon for $116. Wow. I'm a firm believer that hopefully over the course of the next decade, it should reach back up to its $3,500 valuation, yeah. which is like a 35X on 100%. your money. You know what I'm saying? So right now I'm just putting money into Amazon. Google's about to split in July, 20 to one again, 21 split. So I have a bunch of Google that, you know, just trying to accumulate as many shares as possible. So like we talked about 10 years down the road, we have that FU money where I'm like, oh, I'm did really well just off this decision I made like 10 years ago and forgot about it almost, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, you might as well make some moonshots with some extra money yeah. that, that you have, you know, and some of these crypto coins, these gaming coins, yeah. I mean, basically like identify a sector that's growing crypto gaming metaverse growing sector, identify the best projects within that sector that are like on sale right now. Yeah. Put in a couple grand. I mean, five from where we are now, 500 X's are, not crazy. I 500 X the Axie. Yeah. It's, it's totally not crazy to, to think that PYR is, you know, three bucks right now and it's going to go to, you know, 300, 3000, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot out there, but I, I fully believe I, I'm still really worried about this next year in terms of like uh, pain. Yeah. Oh, it's how crazy. bad it's going to get. Yeah. Michael Burry is saying that stocks are going down to 1800. Yep. Um, yep. That the S&P is going, going to go to I'm super 50%. nervous, bro. I'm heavy in stocks right now. And I keep watching every day. Like there may just become a point where I just have to liquidate and sell everything and sit on cash. Yeah. You know, but. So, and that's the interesting thing is, is cash is almost, it's probably what you want to hold during a bad recession. Mm-hmm. Even inflation. I know that sounds weird, but uh, yeah, if you're holding cash, the cost of gas and food and rent and all these things is going to go up during inflation. But as the stock market crashes, real estate, 
think an asset classes crash and you're holding cash, the buying power of your cash goes up in relation to assets down in relation to daily goods, but up in relation to assets. So there is a good argument for just like sitting heavy in cash for this next year and being poised to like buy a major dip. Think of all the millionaires that were made during the six week COVID, the COVID flash crash. Yeah. Yeah. And in the COVID flash crash, it was, I even messed up. I had bought some oil when it dropped down uh, to literally almost like $0 on some of these. And I was like, there's no way, like, uh, this is, we're like in a crazy time in a worldwide pandemic. Flash forward to like that same stock, like USO is at like $75 now. It's like, bro, what the, what the hell am I doing? You know, Oil went yeah. negative, remember for a day yeah, or two? Yeah, yeah, for like you, a so day you or two. bought that. I that bought day. some, rode some back up, but sold way too early because I just <sighs> didn't, didn't know that it would go back up, you know? Yeah. I mean, even stuff down to like AMC, for example. Like I would, yeah. I was into AMC back when I saw it drop to like two, two to $4, but sold way too early. Didn't think it was going to go back up to like, you know, the, the crazy gains that we saw it go when it got pumped by the world, you know, like, yeah, hundred yeah, percent crazy. I mean, dude, this is the time to buy. Like when everybody thinks the world is ending, we're going to have a world war, the economy's in a recession and whatever political strife and all this stuff. And everyone thinks everything's crashing that's obviously when you buy, yeah. like th- it's such a f- simple formula. It buy is. when everybody's horrified. Buy low, yeah. And sell when there's a lot of elation in the air and everyone's like cruising and having a good time, sell. Yeah, it, it's, it's, the, it's the whole FOMO train, which is like everyone waits because they're scared of what's going on. And then once yeah. you see it rising, you're like, oh no, I'm gonna miss out, let me jump on the train. And then it's exactly. kind of too late. Like you're, you're just getting a few gains as opposed to exponential gains if you had bought during all this blood in the water, you know. Exactly, so. exactly. Are but, you yeah. Are yeah. you exposed to like gold and silver at all? That's the one thing I'm really not into yet. And I've been yeah. trying to ask more and more friends about. I'm not, but I I don't see the harm in doing it during a recession. Just as good probably better than holding cash if anything. Um the the problem with gold is like its performance over the last twenty years is just <laughs> It's like nothing. It's yeah. done nothing. But it's stable, I guess, in that it's sense. Fairly stable, but but it's done nothing. And I just think Bitcoin's a better version of gold. I mean, technically gold has a limitless supply. Yeah. You know, you know I, like I as soon as you. gold starts to go up, they ramp up mining operations yeah. and mine more and dump it on the market. Totally. So it's a limitless supply and its value as jewelry is okay, that's kinda cool. Its value as like manufacturing a little bit. Is, there's nothing special about gold as money. Yeah, 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 I feel you on that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have much exposure to it at all. I, it's one of those things where I hope I'm not kicking myself in the ass like 10 years from now if all of a sudden it's like, should have just put a couple grand into gold, you know? Yeah. So. Well, part of me thinks like I should for, I sh- honestly should just take like five or 10 grand and, and ha- literally hold gold coins in my house. Like that's yeah. a smart move, I think. Okay. Even more maybe, but like, but to go really heavy in gold, I don't think is like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I tell people right now, the best thing to do during times like this is to find like some, some companies that you have like a high conviction in that you believe their business model is not going around anywhere. Cause obviously we're in a tough economic time worldwide right now, but you find these companies that you know are not going to just get eradicated or go completely bankrupt during this time. And those are the ones that if you know, are going to be around for the next 40, 50 years, you might as well sink some money into it right now. Cause it's basically like black Friday sales. Like you're never going to see prices as low as they are right now. Like my, my crypto portfolio is down over six figures. My yeah. stock portfolio some days is down almost around the same amount. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like sitting there in shock, but then I'm also like, well, 10 years from now though, this could potentially be up seven figures, you know? hundred like, yeah. percent. I mean, it, it has to, if it doesn't, it means like America's like 
not around anymore. Like it's gonna go back up. Yeah, like yeah. things are gonna stabilize for sure. So buying at a discount right now, I yeah. I mean, even if it dips another fifty percent and you bought it, just zoom out. I think you're gonna be fine. Especially if you are long term. If you're yeah. like a long term holder and you're in this not for to make money to pay your rent next month, if you're in it for like ten years, I think you're chilling right now. Hundred so. percent. I mean, a bit, yeah. Bitcoin over the last ten years has seen a hundred percent. A little more than 100% increase year over year. Yeah. Um, so it's outperformed. It's the best asset class of the last decade, like yeah. by far. Yep, yep. Um, and so I don't see much of a risk taking a long-term view on Bitcoin. Um, you know, yeah, but I st- definitely think diversify stocks and everything. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's crazy, man. <laughs> Hopefully we're laughing about this 10 years from now. I, yeah. I think we will be. Yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. Absolutely. I hope Amazon just continues to rise, bro. <laughs> Dude, they're the best company. That's, that's what I'm saying, bro. Yeah. They, they have a monopoly on a lot of things, you know, so. They really do. I'm very hopeful that my investment right now will do me good in the long run, hopefully, you know. I, I think, I, no, I think it will. And the other thing to keep in mind is with Bitcoin, with crypto in general, um, the adoption rate is steeper than the internet mm-hmm. uh, was at the same time period. Mm-hmm. Um, internet was growing at 80, I think it was like 88% a year or something of new users. Um, and at the same time period that Bitcoin is now, it's growing, I I think 112 or something. So that's going to put Bitcoin at a crypto at, uh, I think 3 billion users by like 2025, 2026. More, like about almost half the world is going to be using crypto. Yeah, yeah. So the, with an adoption uh, curve that's that steep, uh, just just buy it. Like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> just buy it. I don't know the actual number on it, but I heard a statistic that like, yeah, like five to 10 years down the road, you're going to want to have at least 0.1 Bitcoin or something like that 100%. in order to be like a part of the mix and have more than a yeah. small population of the world is going to have access to. So if you're a whole coiner, yeah. like, like now, which is not that crazy to do now 20 grand yeah you know put that in a wallet you know offline that and just forget. don't touch it for 10 years and don't forget your keys and do not forget your keys <laughs> do not forget your keys guys yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. do not forget your keys that would be crazy uh, yeah. uh, so obviously man at this point in your career like things seem to be like going super well as far as the cinematographer side and obviously you most recently just bought a house off these crypto gains and stuff like that um What's your focus like right now as far as uh, the next few, the next stage of your life? Do you foresee cinematography being the end all be all for you? Or is there something else that you have like aspirations towards? I mean, yeah, I've got a ton of aspirations. I, I think one of my big focuses at the current moment is fo- actually focusing on rehab and uh, diet and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Because I feel like if you get the soil right in your garden, the plant just grows automatically. Right. Yeah. Me, me being the plant. <laughs> um, and so like, uh, I just saw the chiro- this chiropractor. I have no neck curve, no cervical curve. You're supposed to have a curve. That's like, yeah, kind of like this. Mine's totally straight and it's affecting my sleep quality and everything. So wow. I'm not sleeping as well. Okay. So I'm on this amazing program to bring that curve back wow. to get my sleep better and everything because I, the foundation of just being successful at anything is making sure that you're sleeping well yeah, you rest and you're 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 uh, eating well and all that kind of stuff i mean sleep sleep is the most important thing 100 yeah. percent. and so i think your creativity and your ability your willpower everything goes up like 10x when you're when you're you know in the right mindset and feeling good yeah yeah um and so 
So basically that's my focus so that I can then go out and do these other goals that I have. I really uh, like yeah, this yeah. biohacking stuff. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. you know, yeah. red light therapy. I have a hyperbaric oxygen chamber at my house. I do ozone blood infusion stuff yeah, like well, that. Okay. And I, you know, part of me wants to like open a center that could be do that and rehab people. Um, just cause I know there's so many epic therapies that like yeah. you don't have to take, uh, drugs for that like work better even, um, for all kinds of things. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? Am I mistaken? Did you, are you the one that told me that you had your Atlas reset? Did you do yeah. Atlas adjustments? Yeah. The Atlas adjustments oh, are crazy. They're unreal. Yeah. Okay. Cause the Atlas is the top bone of your spine yeah. and it, and it sits right under the skull and you have, you have, uh, blood vessels like you're, uh, going into your brain. You have, um, the cerebrospinal fluid and your vagus nerve, all these nerves and stuff running through the atlas into your brain, basically. And if that atlas is rotated a little bit, it's putting pressure, okay. right? And that can cause like so many things you you can't even believe it. And is it painful when they adjust it or? Not at all. Oh, okay. No. It's the opposite. It's amazing. They you go know, boom and then, and then you get like this flash of clarity and this really good feeling and yeah, it's unreal. Great, I need to get that info. I, I'm definitely in need of that. I feel like after all my neck injuries that I've had and stuff, like Dude. I feel like my Atlas is probably overdue for an adjustment. So. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I'll give you, I'll give you the guy. Sick, yeah. okay. He's amazing. Hell yeah, man, sick. Uh, so this is a question I always ask everyone before we get out of here. So just curious to get, see your own personal take on it. Where do you see yourself five years from now? And then where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Yeah, great questions. Okay, five years. Um, I want a wife and kids and everything. Uh, I think that, that would be just be awesome to, to have. So probably should get like a girlfriend first. <laughs> <laughs> Jam cast after dark. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and just killing it in, in my career across the board, like doing camera stuff. I want to, I want to keep doing parkour camera stuff, um, and just direct bigger and bigger projects. Um, and uh, I want to be a millionaire, obviously. Yeah. Who doesn't, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So working towards that as well, that's the five-year. But I guess the 10-year is, is the same as the five-year, but just more. <laughs> <laughs> exponentially more. Yeah. Just exponentially more. Hell yeah. Um, I'd be curious, though. Can I hear what your answers are? Yeah, and you know what's crazy is uh, since I started the podcast, because multiple people have asked me that, uh, my plan has changed and shifted over the years. Um, before I used to have a, like a timeline in my head of where I thought I would be at a certain point. And to be honest, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm behind some of those plans. And in other ways, I feel like I'm a little ahead. Um, in five years from now, I would love just to, uh, kind of similar along the lines of what you're doing, uh, just feel good in my body like feel overall wellness within my body. Um, I, my dad doesn't have the best of health, uh, whereas my mom seems to be a lot more healthy and trains like six days a week. And I can see these like two diverging paths of where you can choose to take your life based on the choices that you make, especially at the years that we're at right now. You know what I'm saying? Um, so for me, health is wealth. I want to definitely be as healthy as possible over the next five years. Um, and 10 years from now, I used to always think that I would be in the movie industry forever. And I used to have aspirations of becoming like one of the biggest stunt coordinators um, or possibly even directing and stuff down the road. Now I've kind of found myself looking towards finding an extra strategy where I can still do that stuff every so often to get some residuals and have my pension in healthcare. Um, but I really want to open a restaurant. 
Um, it's something that just like speaks to my soul and has always spoken to my soul, like food and uh, whether it's as a patron, like I love doing nothing else but going to fancy restaurants with my friends, you know, and going out to dinners and just, you know, the energy that you're brought going to a communal meeting place. I would love to like have some sort of uh, impact on the other side and be like the person that owns one of those places that brings people together from around the world, you know? Um, so yeah, 10 year plan now is maybe open a restaurant, do something with food and hospitality. Um, and who knows about this whole stunt type stuff anymore. Yeah. I mean, maybe save your, save your body transition into, into the restaurant business yeah. would be, uh, would be epic. Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to put it out there. I'd be down to be dude, an investor in your restaurant because so <laughs> I know you would open the most fire restaurant. So, so down, bro. Yeah. I have a few friends that we talk about it and we're all like, yeah, we just need to keep storing away cash, storing away cash so we can make this happen. And, uh, yeah, I think that would be super dope. It's to like venture yeah. into something that doesn't come easy. I feel like the stuff that I've done at this point in my career, it's, it hasn't been easy by any means. Like I've worked my ass off, but uh, I was very much blessed being born into a martial arts family. So like stunts is kind of like part of the natural progression. I kind of want to see what it's like to like throw myself into something that I really wasn't born with a natural inclination towards and see if I can be just as successful in like another area of life. You know, A hundred percent. Something yeah. tells me that you will be. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Restaurants are notoriously hard. Like what a challenge. One of the most be. stressful industries ever I heard, you know, but if you can do it successfully, I think it's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be so dope, bro, to just have a place where we could all just go and like eat and bring our friends together. And dude, yeah, I don't know, man. Food brings people together in a lot of ways. It yeah. really does. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to do another jam cast and, yes. Uh, yes. and follow up on the five year plan. See where we're at. See where crypto is. <laughs> see where, cri- see where we'll crypto be like, and Amazon is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Where's, a- where's Axie and Amazon in five years from now? Yeah, exactly. Let's see who outperforms. Yeah, that'll be the day. Oh man, it's, uh, it's super surreal, man, to sit down and have this talk with you. Like I said, like I, I remember back to when you were just this kid who is uh, super good at wall flips and we would just play Mario Kart together and have these crazy stories we can't even talk about on the air right now <laughs> um, to like yes, now seeing you like super successful just recently buying a house and uh, having like a career for yourself that's uh, you know kind of like what I'm talking about like outside of the realm of using your physical body uh, it's super dope to see man I appreciate you like coming through and spreading spending this time and spreading your own story you know dude yeah I, I appreciate you having me on like it's just so epic I've been wanting to come on Jamcast you know for years and yes. uh, I mean you're one of my oldest friends it's just amazing dude to see where you've come that's it's po- that's the next podcast that has <laughs> to happen your backstory so I would love to sometime yeah yeah I, I told people maybe by episode 200 I'll be maybe I'll be 200 okay yeah, yeah. I, I gotta I get like my mom it. on next I got to do my dad mom's yes. next yeah perfect yeah legends yeah it's crazy (laughs) man yeah please say hi to your family for me dude this is like so 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 dope um even dating back like i know we talked about this but to put this all full circle my first commercial that i got taft hartley on into the industry your dad was an editor on so Uh, or producer producer on yeah Yeah. the coca-cola one the coke one that's so crazy so crazy how this whole world is like so small and that was one where i didn't even get the audition i drove david elson and a couple of the homies to the callback that's right i was sitting in the hallway and then like casting director was like what are you doing here i'm like oh i'm the ride and i get called in after they've all exited the room by myself and get tafted into the industry Less than three hours later. And you made a bag, right, on that one? That one was a buyout type thing, but it got me my SAG card, and it got me immediately signed with a commercial agent, 
and I just hit the ground running with commercials ever since then. Yeah. Yeah. You, you killed it on the commercial. I did. I did all right on the commercials. (laughs) It was good being one of the few Asians (laughs) that could do some flips in LA (laughs) at the time. One of, one of three. There was like three of us. Yeah. I was like (laughs) me, Frosty, Victor Lopez, kind of. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, And then Zinn kind of. Yeah. Kind of, kind of. It was crazy, bro. Yeah. We've, uh, we lived during a really cool time. We got to be here at kind of like the infancy of parkour and free running within America. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see that we're still somewhat involved in the sports through you going to Red Bulls, through me getting the chance to host every so often. And even down to just like my weekly clip show where I like look at the dopest clips or get to interview people here on the Jamcast. Like we're very blessed to still be a part and tapped into this community that gave us so much. So, uh, dude, a hundred percent. I couldn't, it's the fun, best community ever. Like trickers, free runners, just the funnest people yeah. ever to hang out with. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I love it, man. Let's hope that, uh, yeah, we'll be able to flip for a few more years. So yeah, flip and, uh, get a private jet. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yo, before we get out of here, can you uh, look in this camera and tell people where they can continue to follow you and stay up to date with your own personal journey and shout out whatever you want, whether that's your socials or a site or anything you want to a hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, real simple. It's just, uh, Rye Houchin on Instagram at Rye Houchin, R-Y-H-O-U-C-H-I-N. Um, that's kind of the only social media I use anymore. So, boom. Hell yes. With that being said, guys, please be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe for brand new episodes each every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for a brand new Jamcast. Interviewing influential members of the movement community like Mr. Ryan Houchin himself. So that being said, guys, I gave one more very special shout out. Thanks for coming through, dog. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, dude. I loved it. Hell yes. <laughs> As always, guys, coming at you, coming through. I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here on another Jamcast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace.